It's always a great pleasure to open God's Word with you this, uh, at any time, and I'm particularly thankful for the opportunity this morning. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah 43, we'll consider the first four and a half verses this morning. Before I pray, though, I want to um, <clears throat> I want to give you an appetizer. I know you like to eat because you're human. I like to eat too, and I like a good appetizer every now and then. You know, it's a little something that kind of gets the juices flowing that gets me ready for the main meal. I want to give you an appetizer this morning. It's Hebrews four twelve, and it says, "The word of God is living and active." Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When he says there, the Word of God is living, what he's trying to say is, like this passage we're going to look at this morning, it was written 2,700 years ago, but do not think that it's a dead word. The Word of God is alive. And what that means for you today is that God is going to speak to you through His Word today. Are you anticipating that? Are you listening? Do you want to hear His voice? He says the Word of God's alive. He's going to speak. And secondly, it's active. In other words, it's going to accomplish the purposes for which He sends it out. God's Word is active. It's coming to encourage today. It's coming to exhort. It's coming to charge and to challenge you. Are you ready to hear His voice? The Word of God is living, and it's active. Let's get ready for that today. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, there's many of us who come today as weary pilgrims, needing that cup of cold water. We're needing encouragement. Lord, we need you to come inside of our lives and bring peace, the peace that passes all understanding. So, Father, we pray this morning that you would speak to us. God, we believe your word is living and active, and we ask now that you would open our ears to hear your voice Open our hearts to receive your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 5a. Hear God's word. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, 
your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. This ends the reading of God's Word. Uh, One commentator, his name's Barry Webb, he says that these words are some of the most tender that God has ever spoken to His children. And my desire for you this morning is that you would hear God Himself speak these words to your heart. I want to tell you as we begin what I'm not going to do this morning. This morning is it's all about trials. How do you deal with trials in your life? How do you handle them? And what I'm not going to do is solve all the theological issues there. Uh, as one writer puts it, why do bad things happen to good people? We're not going to answer that question this morning. Nor are we going to work through the thorny theological issues of If God is sovereign and God is good, why is there suffering? Why is there trials? Why are there difficulties? We're not going to answer that question this morning. I'm sorry. Uh, The Bible does give us some answers to some of those things. Uh, But trials, they're always shrouded in mystery, aren't they? Every trial we go through, there's unknowns. There's things that are mysterious to us. But what I do want to give to you this morning is a rock. A rock for you to stand on from this passage. That's what Isaiah gives his people in the midst of the trials. And that's what I want you to find today. is something that is absolutely certain. Something that you can bank your life on. And that's what Isaiah gives us this morning. The first thing I want you to see from this passage comes out of verse 2, and that is, trials are inevitable. Trials are inevitable. Uh, They come to everybody. They come at different times. They are part of life. In fact, Isaiah says, when, not if, it's when. These are guaranteed. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Everybody faces trials. And Isaiah says it's a given in life. They're inevitable. We will all face death. We will all face difficulties. Sometimes our family members are going to face cancer. We're going to get those calls from time to time. Trials are inevitable. As Peter says in 1 Peter 4, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. Trials are part and parcel of life in a sinful, broken, and fallen world. So that's the first thing I want you to know. Trials are inevitable. The second thing I want you to see from this passage is God's command to you. One command, it's mentioned twice. 
The first in verse 1, and it's this. Fear not. Do not be afraid. That's what he says in verse 5. Do not be afraid. Let me give you some synonyms of what God is saying. Do not be anxious. Do not fret. Do not give up. Do not give in. Do not let go of God. That's God's command in the midst of the trials of life. And they're coming. You may be in one now. God says, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be anxious. Do not give up. Do not give in. I learned recently that the words do not fear are written in the scriptures 366 times. And one commentator says that's one time for every day of the year. And don't we need it? I don't know about you, I need it about 10 times a day. But God gives it to us 366 times, and I think the commentator has some wisdom there. One for every day of the year. God says to you, do not fear. What's the positive side of that? If we're not to fear, what are we to do? We're to trust. We're to hold fast to our God. We are to rely on Him. We're to put our hope in Him. We're to cling to Him. That's what we're to do. We're not to fear, not to be anxious, but we are to hold on to Him. And we are to trust Him right through the trial. That's the command that God gives to us. Don't fear. Hold fast. Trust Him. Now you say this morning, just as I do, how? How do you do that when you're facing death of a loved one? How do you not fear when you get the phone call that a loved one has cancer or you have cancer? How? How do you not fear? How do you not be anxious? And I want to give you the four reasons that come straight out of this passage. Four reasons that form a rock for us to stand on. A rock for our faith. A place that we can stand and we can hold fast to God and we can trust Him. Here's number one. God says to you, and hear His voice, You are mine. You are mine. You belong to me. Therefore, do not fear. Look at it in His words in verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Let's unpack these verbs here just for a minute. The first thing he says is, I have created you. These are the words he uses in Genesis 1 when he brings the world into existence. What God is saying to his people today is, I've created you. I'm the one that brought you into existence. It was my idea for you to have life. I'm your creator. I am the one who has brought you into existence. In the beautiful words of Psalm 139, David is musing about God as his creator, and he says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
You are not an accident. You are here by God's design. He has created you. He has called you into existence. And that's why you belong to him. Secondly, he says, He who formed you, O Israel. The word here, form, is that of the potter. As he takes the clay and he puts it on the pottery wheel and the wheel begins to spin and the potter shapes and fashions that piece of clay into exactly what he wants it to be. And God says, that's what I've done with you. All your life, I've taken all your experiences, your relationships, your trials, and I've been fashioning and forming and molding you into the man or to the woman that I want you to be. You're mine. You're in my hands. I'm sustaining you. And in my good providence, I'm watching out for you every moment of the day. I've made you. I've formed you. You belong to me. He goes on. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. Redeem is a beautiful word. In its essence, it means this, that someone has taken responsibility for you and they've laid it on their own shoulders. That's what a redeemer does. That's what the kinsman redeemer did in the book of Ruth. He took the the needs and the responsibility for Ruth and for Naomi, and he put it upon his own shoulders, and he said, I will take care of you. It's what Jesus Christ does for us at the cross as our redeemer. He says, give me your sin. Give it to me, and I'll take it upon my shoulders and take care. And you who have no righteousness, you who have no hope of standing before the Father, give me that. And what I'll do is I'll give you my righteousness. That's what a Redeemer does. He takes responsibility for us. He takes it upon his own shoulders. And in that way, God says to you, you are mine. Your trials, your difficulties, I have taken them upon myself. I'll be responsible for them. That's why you don't have to fear. I've created you. I've formed you. I've redeemed you. And he gets even more personal. I have called you by name. I call my children by their full name sometimes. I'm sure you do that. James Hunter Stevenson, come here. It's very personal. And it gets his attention quickly. That's what God is saying. I've called you by name. I've entered into a personal and intimate relationship with you. And I've called you. I've called you to my purposes for you. I've called you to my plans for your life. Trust me. You are mine. I've called you by name. You belong to me. And that's the first reason he gives. Not to fear. Not to fret. Not to give in or give up. He says, do not fear. You are mine. You belong to me. He goes on. The second thing he tells you is, I am with you. I am with you. I am right beside you through this trial. Look at at verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. This is a 
A promise that we're given all through the Scriptures, isn't it? God tells us in multiple places, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Basically, what he's saying is, I'm always with you, and when you go through a trial, I'm right there. I'm right beside you. Jesus tells us at the end of the, the Great Commission, Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's one of the great promises of Scripture. I'll tell you my favorite manifestation of this promise. It's Isaiah 41, 13. And God says this, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do you see the picture? Do you see the picture? God is saying to you this morning, in your trials, I'm going to take hold of your right hand and we're going to walk through it together. I am with you. That's why you do not have to be afraid. I want you to look at the language of verse 2. He mentions waters and fire. These are two opposites. And this is a Hebrew idiom to express totality. What he's saying on the one hand over here, if you pass through the waters, I'm with you. Or on the other extreme, if you pass through the fires, I will be with you. And what Isaiah is trying to express is an idea of totality. No matter what the trials are, no matter how they come, no matter when they come, all the trials of life, I will be with you. I will be right there beside you. You may also notice how it goes from general to specific, from waters to rivers, from fire to flames. And again, what he's trying to describe there is he's not just speaking in trials in general. He's speaking of the very specific trials of your life. This isn't just a general promise. This is a promise for right where you are in the specific trials of your life. And the promise is, I'm with you. I'm right there beside you. I also want you to see out of verse 2 what the goal is. The goal is to see you through the trial. God is going to walk beside you all the way through it. He doesn't say He's going to take you out of it. Although sometimes God does. But He doesn't hear. He says, I will see you through it. When you walk through those rivers, they will not overcome you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze because I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be with you all the way through it. I will see you through to the end. I am with you. Let me give you a picture from my own life that illustrates this well. When Mary Rachel was six months old, we had to take her to those checkups at the doctor, you know, where they check her out and they give her her immunizations and all those things. Well, Heather and I would always go together because this is our firstborn. This is our precious Mary Rachel. And so we would always go together. But at the time that Mary Rachel would get her shots, Heather would say, can't do it, I'm out of here. Because all things medical just get her all 
worked up. And so she left me with Mary Rachel for the very traumatic experience that it was. If you're a parent, you've been there. The nurse says, hold your child down so that they can't move or wiggle while I prick them with these very sharp needles. And so I grab Mary Rachel by her little forearms and she's holding my thumb and I get into her face and she's laughing and she's looking at me and then all of a sudden, wham, right into the thigh. And her eyes 